This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to be with you again. A couple weeks off with uh, Pastor Dan, my pastor, and then my friend Corey Williams was with us last week. It's been amazing. If you haven't been here, I'd Definitely go back, get on the podcast, and catch up over the last couple weeks. Now, two things that I want you to make, just to make you aware of. And the first one is uh, that you can uh, get some updates from us via text message. Uh, We have almost exhaustively over the first 10 years of our church used social media. We, We believe it's a phenomenal way of connecting with people. But over the past three or four months, uh, I'm just being vulnerable. We, we have experienced some of the ugly side of uh, social media, the ugly comments, the mean comments, the, the hate. And truth is, we haven't had that much. And so uh, we know that there are, there's, we don't own that. The social media companies do. And so this is a way for us to decentralize that communication to make sure that we're able to reach out to you directly. All you have to do is text that number that's on the, and if you're looking for it, I believe it's in your worship guide as well. We're not only doing that for, for our church, but also for me personally. Um, if you're somebody who's like, I would love to get something every once in a while just to encourage me, redirect my heart, and we can do that uh, just from me to you. We do that through the form of a text message in the same way, decentralizing from social media and being able to reach out and connect with you directly. If that's something that would interest you, all you need to do is just text me at 704-237-6764. I would love to be able to encourage you in your life where you're at. Now, for the next few weeks as a church, we're going to do something I'm pretty excited about. We're just going to study the Bible. We're, we're going to dive into uh, one chapter out of the Bible, and I believe that as we do that, God's going to open your eyes. Now, I'm going to be very vulnerable, all right? I, I have never been the guy that was like, I'm going to wake up and, and get up and study the I was always like I will stay up and study the Bible I not I will wake up but over a year ago the Lord convicted me that I needed transition in my life to working with somebody and looking at the life of Jesus you know we read the life of Jesus like from this to this to this but there were he walked too now that's two days and in this and then and it was just there was moments of transition between the high action and I was looking over my life, I just didn't have that. I'd go from this to this to this. And a year ago, God convicted me. I want you to get up. I want you to start studying. I never dreamed I'd be an early morning person. I am now. I just literally finished my first journal that's filled with nothing but prayers. Wrote the last page yesterday. So today I got to crack open a brand new journal. How about that? Come on, somebody. That's exciting, right? Anybody else get excited about starting a new journal? That was fun. All right, but there you go. And this past summer, I specifically decided to study the Psalms. Now, the Psalms are phenomenal for devotional theology. If you're just really kind of diving into, I just want to spend some time with the Lord. I'm not really trying to get too heady. I just want to, it's a great place to camp out. And I did that. 
And then over and over and over, the Lord continued to bring me back to the same song. It's kind of funny. It's the, y'all remember your address when you were growing up, right? This is the house number on my house when I was growing up, 121. Psalm 121. So we're going to spend the next few weeks in that. I love what Walter Brueggemann said about the Psalms. He's a great scholar specifically with the Psalms. He said the Psalms are writings where the secrets of honest men and women of faith are fully occupied. Some of y'all going, man, that secrets. What you talking about secrets? I mean, these are people of faith. You're not supposed to have secrets, right? Well, the secrets are that we get frustrated, that we get angry, that we get confused, we get disappointed. 70% of the Psalms contain within them what's biblically called lament, which is just literally looking at God and complaining. God, why is this this way? Why are my enemies coming after me? Why does it seem like everybody's winning but the people of God? And if you read through the Psalms, they're remarkably honest. I mean, that's what they're, they are emotionally honest. I would go so far as to say the Psalms, the Psalms are emotionally honest prayers and songs to God. And so for the next few weeks, we're just going to be studying Psalm 121. So would you do me a favor? And stand. We're going to read together the Word of God, and we're going to stand together as we read this chapter. It's out of reverence and honor to God's Word, and I just want to invite you as we stand together. If you want to read along, you can. I'm not planning on it. I'm going to begin in verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. It's the Word of God. Can we pray and pause? God, thank you for your Word. It is within these pages that we are invited to encounter the risen Christ, the Logos, who was the Word before there ever was the Word. God, I pray that in this moment that you would speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, and change us as we consider the implications of this one simple psalm. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. For the next few moments as we get started, I want to try to explain to you this statement. Our posture creates our perspective. Our posture creates our perspective. Our posture 
creates our perspective. I'm going to take some time to explain this so that you understand what I mean with those terms. The word posture, what is posture? Now, some of us know posture because that's where grandma will come up and thump you on the ear because you had bad posture. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Like grandma's like, you need to stand up straight. What is posture? It's the position in which someone holds their body. It's a choice. I can have bad posture or I can have healthy posture. Some of us know that the consequences of working at our desk all day, typing out, leaves us with bad. So we got to stand up a little bit, walk around. But that's not the only thing that posture is. Posture is also the way in which a person behaves. Often in this definition, to impress or mislead. It is the word posturing. I am posturing myself to them. I am posturing that I'm smarter than I am, that I'm more successful than I am, that my kids are better behaved than they really are. This is a real issue in our culture. What is posture? It's my body position and what I want somebody else to believe about me. Now, I want to give you what I mean today when it comes to posture. This is in your notes. Number one, our posture is how we position our lives regarding what we worship. It's how I position my life. Here, here's the thing. There are things in your life that you have direct control over. You decide how you're going to spend your time, how you use the resources of your talents, even financially, how you position yourself financially. That's our posture. In our posture in life, it's really how we decide to position our lives regarding what we worship. Now, worship, where does that come from? I, I want you to hear this. Worship is the most preeminent idea in the Bible. It's the most important issue for you, for your kids, for your family. And worship is not what we are doing in this room. It is not something that exhaustively happens when you have songs or we're singing. As a matter of fact, if you know the Ten Commandments, the very first one addresses worship. What is it? You'll have no other gods but me. Worship and serve the only true God. That's the first commandment. Martin Luther famously said, hey, we don't need any more commandments. The only reason we have other commandments is to let us know we broke the first one. Because if I'm lying or cheating or stealing or killing, it's because I'm not worshiping God. Now, here's the thing. It's such an important issue that it affects your marriage, your parenting. It affects the way you approach your career. It affects the way that you approach school and your teacher. Because we're all worshiping something. We all are. You're worshiping, I'm worshiping. And the Bible makes this so clear. We're either worshiping God 
or we're worshiping an idol. And I know some of y'all are going, but no, Kevin, we don't have any statues at our house. We don't have any, we're not doing that. We're not going and bowing down to a gold cat. I mean, what are you talking about? That's not us. Well, there are different kinds of idols. Relationships can become idols. I mean, one of the worst things that can happen to a marriage is that your spouse replaces your God. And you start looking to your spouse for your sense of identity and for your greatest source of love, for your deepest affection. If you don't ever find that in God, it won't matter what you find in your spouse. A relationship can become an idol. A person can be an idol. Maybe it's a parent. And your parent says, you need to do this. And you're like, I'm going to do it. But, but what is that what God, I don't care if it's what God said. I'm going to do, mama said to do that. I'm doing it. Idol. Our jobs can be idols. Sacrifice. The things that we say we love the most. Why? Because we're worshiping our job. Our kids, man, this is a big deal in our culture. Our kids become an idol. I'm just going to tell you something. You ever seen a kid eat spaghetti? You figure out real quick, you ought not to be worshiping that person, okay? Just watch them eat spaghetti. Or you can worship God. Now, you might not know what worship is. Worship isn't singing. It can be. Worship is our intentional response to the things in our lives that hold highest authority. Who should hold highest authority? If you're a follower of God, it should be God himself. Highest authority, Jesus, you are my Lord. What is the, the word Lord means boss. You get to call the shots. But when something else is calling the shots, it says move and you move. It says jump and you jump. It says adjust this and you start adjusting it. For some of us, it's our kids. Our kids say move, we move. Our kids say jump, we jump. Our kids say adjust that part of your life and we start adjusting that part of our life. It's an idol. Because that's what worship is. Worship is our intentional response to the things that hold highest authority. And that's what our postures, our postures, how do I position my life in worship to the things that hold highest authority? That's posture. So what is perspective? All right, it's our point of view. It's how we see things. I see that, I see that. I see, I can only see what I can see. And here's the thing is that when you accept that, you also understand, I don't see everything. All right, my perspective, there are things about my perspective that are out of my control because it is informed by who I am, what I've experienced and what I've seen. And there's some things about who I am and what I've experienced that were outside of my control, which means people who are different than me, who have had different experiences than I have, also see something that might be outside my perspective. It's what I see, my point of view, but it's also my attitude regarding what I see. 
So in your notes, number two, our perspective is what we choose to focus on and how we let ourselves feel about it. It's what's infatuating you, what's captivating you, what's keeping you. And it's also how you choose to feel about it. Y'all ever had that thing you just couldn't get it out your mind and it was driving you crazy? It was in your perspective. It really defines what's in your life. It's what you see. And I'm going to say something that's subtle, but we need to hear this stuff. You can't worship something that's outside your perspective. And for some of us, we say, I love Jesus. My family's all about God. But if we look at your perspective, starting at about 1 p.m. this afternoon through next Saturday evening, there is nothing about Jesus or God in your perspective. You can't worship God if He's not in what you're seeing. I said this earlier. Look at this again. Our posture creates our perspective. The way I've postured my life, the choices I've made in regards to what's important then creates and crafts my perspective in life. And I'm going to help you real quick with this. And this is the third thing in your notes. You can identify your posture by inspecting your perspective. Because some of us need to do this. We need to figure out how is my life postured and we'll know that by inspecting our perspective. And be honest. There's too many of us that think too kindly about ourselves. We're not honest about who we really are. I mean, is your perspective like everything I look at? I should be afraid of that. I should be afraid of that. I should be afraid of that. I'm afraid of that. Look at that's happening. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. If they do it my way, 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 there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. If you take a step back and that's what you see about who you are and the way you see the world, it's a perspective issue that's caused by your posture. I mean, we say, God, you're my, you're my greatest priority. I, lo I love you most. But what do you see? Like when you look at the world, you look at the problems that are in the world, do you think the solutions are political? Like really? As a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you look at the world and say, the problems that I see are going to be solved by politics that I never seem to do it yet. Are you focused on the issues that you see within your community? Like, look at that, and look at that, and look at that. Are you just focused on your family? Like, if my husband could just finally lift the toilet seat, just finally, if my wife could finally decide where we're going to go eat. Think about it. What do you see? What do you see? 
Like in your life, really, what do you see? Do you see reasons to be afraid? Do you see people who aren't doing what you want them to? What do you see? Because too often we see our problems. We got bad posture. And our lives are built in such a way that we're just, oh, I see. I just see my problems. You know, think about your problems. The more you focus on your problems, the bigger they get. And some of us are so focused on the broken things in our lives simply because we have bad posture. I mean, just think about bad posture. We know, all right? A little slumped over, head down. Oh, I, I just see my problems. When all we have is, is bad posture, all our perspective allows us to see is our problems. That's it. And it's a perspective issue, but it's really a posturing issue. But there's another way. There's a total different way. Let's go back to the text. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. Look at this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As we wrap this up today, I'm going to make a few observations from this and I'm going to preach a little bit, okay? We're going to have some fun and I believe there's some freedom in those simple verses for you today. And the first thing I want you to see is nothing changes until my perspective changes. Nothing changes until my perspective changes. Some of y'all need to understand, you've been praying, God, change this, change them. God, do this, do that. And God's, listen, if you don't learn to see it the way I made it, the way I want you to see it, I'm not changing anything because even if I change it, you're going to complain about what I do next. Nothing changes until your perspective changes. Fear, worry, anxiety so much of the problems we deal with when it comes to heart related issue is connected to our perspective i always see what i should be afraid of i'm fixated on what i'm not in control of it's posture and perspective Nothing changes until your perspective changes. Let me make it simpler. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Some of you have been praying, God, I need you to save my marriage. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hard feelings. And you want to know what? Well, at the same time, go, I'm not going to change anything I do. Nothing changes if nothing changes. You're struggling financially. God, I can't pay my bills. I'm struggling. I need your help. And you want to know what? If you, out of arrogance, continue to come before God and go, I want your help, but I'm not changing anything. God, by His grace, might show up and help you, but nothing will change. Nothing changes if nothing 
changes, your posture has to change for your perspective to change. Some of us, listen, we need a new perspective. What does the psalmist say here? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know when the psalmist is saying, I look up at the mountains, he's actually looking at the mountains that Moses climbed to the top of, that God came down to meet him on top of, where God with his own handwriting wrote, you will have no other gods before me. I lift up my eyes. I'm not going to see this the same way. I'm not going to focus on my problems. I'm going to change the way that I worship. I'm going to change my posture. And I'm going to lift up my eyes to the hills. And when your posture changes, your perspective changes, and the right perspective can change everything. The right perspective can change everything. Y'all, some of us right now, we're just struggling in our lives. Just telling God how this person needs to change. And they need to stop doing that. And they need to figure this out. And God, if they could finally get this together. And really what you need is none of that needs to happen. All you need to do is just stop your complaining and start thanking God. God, thank you. Thank you for my wife that loves me. God, thank you that when I got home, my my kids all ran to greet me. Thank you that we have a house. God, that I've never remembered a time when we didn't have food. God, we live in a part of the world where we, we don't have to worry about clean water. Just think about the thing. And as you do it, you know what happens is that the level of gratitude that you're living with starts to elevate and nothing changed your life didn't change your circumstances didn't change your level of gratitude can change without nothing changing just simply because you postured your life to a God of worship and I'm going to worship you and I see in you now the things that I have to be thankful for that perspective can change everything. I want to make another observation out of this text. And it's this, number two, you need help. You do. You need help. For some of us, that's offensive. You're like, no, that's not true of me, Kevin. I'm independent. I'm strong. I don't need anybody. I can do this all on my own. Sounding like my five-year-old. Here's what I have to say to that. Bull shark. Bull shark, okay? Some of y'all thought he's about to say. I thought he was going to say something else. Bull shark, okay? As a matter of fact, the word that you thought I was going to say is in a verse that we're going to look at. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. The Apostle Paul has listed for the church in Philippi Here are all of my 
accreditations. I, I was a Pharisee. I was born. I was, I was circumcised on the right day. I learned this. I was zealous for God. I mean, everything that you could do for God. I did it and was going after him. You know what he says? Look at this. Philippians 3 verse 8. Everything else, all of this stuff, I, all my accomplishments, all my accolades, all my awards, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have this, I'm just throwing it all away. I don't need it anymore. It's not important to, I have thrown it all away, counting it all but as garbage so that I could gain Christ. That word that's translated garbage. Some of y'all got King James Bibles. You read this. It says, I count it all but as dung. And if you know anything about Greek, the word that the Apostle Paul uses there is an obscenity. What he's saying is that in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, everything that was good about me, every award, everything that could be accredited to me, it's all bull shark. Compared to having Jesus with me. See, as bright and brilliant as you are, you need God's help. was reminded of this this week. I took some of our staff. We traveled across the country to go meet with a church that's phenomenal. I love them. I love their pastor. And had a little bit of a kind of a, a conference going on and the, the pastor of the church invited me to come. So we went out. It was, it was a good time. We learned a lot, got encouraged. I was supposed to meet the pastor for breakfast. He's a good friend. We haven't seen each other since before COVID. I was there. I was there on time, okay? That's a big deal for Kevin, okay? I was not only there, I was early, okay? I was five minutes early, an even bigger deal, all right, in the morning. And I'd already gotten us a table, and I'd ordered my coffee, and then ordered my water, and I was sitting there looking at the empty seat. And then I got the notification. I won't be able to be there. There was a scheduling conflict. And I thought literally in my heart, man, I was hoping for some help. And then I felt very sincerely the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, but Kevin, I'm here. How many times? We get our eyes on somebody thinking they're going to be my help. I'm going to get that promotion because of my relationship with them. I'm going to be okay because of them. And God's just sitting here going, no, get your eyes on me. Get your eyes on me. Number three, we need to get our eyes off our problems and onto our provider. We need to. you got problems. I'm telling you today, there's some real problems in this room. We've had people with us today that have literally, they're, they're in the middle of cancer treatment right now. 
have gotten some blood tests that we don't know what's happening, but it's not good. I mean, I'm telling you, there's some real problems. And I told you this earlier. The more you focus on your problems, the bigger they get. But the more you focus on God, the smaller your problems get. See, sometimes we have big problems because we have a small God. Your perspective is locked in on your problems. You keep looking at them and they keep growing. Instead of getting your eyes up to the hills, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And you might have something going on in your marriage. You might have something going on with your kids. You might have something going on financially. But I just want to remind you what God said through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 32. I am the Lord God. Is anything too hard for me? What are you saying in your life that's too hard for God to do for you? God, I don't know if you can heal my marriage. I don't know if you can save my kid. I don't know if you can rescue me financially. What are you saying? It's not too hard for him. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And the psalmist says this. My help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. I want you to see this. Number four, the God who made heaven and earth is your source. I'm not talking about some lowly official in some king's court. We're talking about the God of heaven and earth is the one that shows up when you're in need to help you. And when we start to see that, we've got to ask the question, is there anything He can't do? I mean, I might have some serious problems. But are they too big for God? God, my marriage is hurt. It's broken. And I need you in the middle of it. But God, I know that you're bigger than every problem we have. God, I'm struggling in this relationship. And I promise, God, it's a big... I, it hurt. It's still, but God, you're bigger than that. You're bigger than what's going on with my kids. Got to get our eyes off our problems. Lift up our eyes. Focus on God. See how big He is. And when we focus on how great and powerful God is, our problems pale in comparison. The way Romans says it in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Think about that. God is for you. I mean, He promised to be with you. He wasn't going to leave you. But He's not just there watching you. He's there for you. He's on your side. How do I know that? Look at the next verse. Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He give us everything else? God gave Jesus Jesus was sacrificed on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and my sins. And when I lift up my eyes, when I receive the gift of Jesus Christ, when I confess that I've been a sinner, I accept Him as my Lord, when I surrender my life to God, when I lift up my eyes, there's a benefit you know, we know something about that. Anybody in here 
the, the spouse in the family that's got to get home before the other spouse because you ordered too much off Amazon Prime. Anybody? I'm the one in my family. If you were wondering, who is it? Me or my wife? It's me. I'm the one who ordered too much stuff off of Amazon Prime. Okay? And you want to get home? Just, you know, when did we get that? I don't know. It was, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. A while ago meaning 10 minutes before you got here. That's when we, <laughs> that's when we got it. See, the reason you can buy something, I'm going to play golf Tuesday afternoon. I can go today and go, hey, you know what? I need some new golf balls. Boom, look on there. I want those golf balls. They will be delivered tomorrow. There we go. It's coming. You know, you, have to, you actually have to join Amazon Prime to get that benefit. And it costs you. You pay for that. But then over the course of the time that you remember, there are benefits that come with that cost. It works that way with us and Jesus. See, God can't be your help until Jesus is your Lord. Some of us want to cry out, God, come save me, come help my marriage. And he's going, listen, dude, I mean, I love you and I'm going to help you. But I already provided the first step to the solution when I sent my son Jesus to die and rescue you from sin. I can't really help you to the degree to which I have planned and purposed in my heart to help you until you surrender your life to me. As a matter of fact, that is the most helpful thing God has ever done. Is inviting us to surrender my will, to receive his, to let him guide and direct my life. Today, that invitation is for you. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.